Mother's Day mothers. I know, uh, I don't know about the rest of you, but I wouldn't be here if it weren't for my mom. But, <laughs> um, so, uh, but, uh, you know, obviously mothers uh, are a lot more than that in the way that, you know, they've cared for us and prayed for us and nurtured us and been there for us and unconditionally throughout our lives. So we just honor them today. Um, but my message is not about mothers today. So, sorry, mothers, you have to wait till after service to, uh, <laughs> to continue your celebration. Um, today we're going we're gonna to pick up, we're going to continue the series we've been doing going through the book of Philippians. We left off on verse 19. In the section that we covered last week, Paul was really focusing on what it meant to be united around the gospel, united around the, the good news of Jesus Christ, the redemptive power of the cross and new life in Christ, which are the central, the central truth for what it means to be a citizen of heaven. Um, Christ, uh, Christians are to be one in spirit and one in faith. When we live according to this new life, God works in us, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And uh, when we're living in him, even simple tasks uh, that, that maybe don't seem, they don't seem all that, that important, they can take on eternal value. In fact, uh, tasks like just being a, a messenger or a delivery man, like Epaphroditus, who, who was the, uh, the delivery man for the church in Philippi, bringing this, the gifts um, to Paul, all of a sudden it has a lot of value. Um, its impact could last for generations to generation. Um, and what we're gonna, that's what we're going to see today in these next couple of verses as um, Paul kind of gives us a little update on what's going to be happening. So just to recap a little, Paul is imprisoned in Rome at this time. Um, he has with him his close friend, Timothy, who is also, he's, he's like a son in the faith, he says. And um, Timothy... If you, you might remember from a couple of weeks ago, we said that Timothy was actually with Paul the very first time they went to Philippi. So the Philippians knew Timothy. He had a, a long-standing relationship with him. And so, um, so he's with him at this time. And as Paul's imprisoned, he's not imprisoned like in a dungeon, but it's more likely that he's, uh, he's in like a house arrest. And it seems like he's, he's chained to a guard most, if not all the day, it sounds like there was kind of a rotation where the guards would come and, and go, but he was, he was imprisoned under house arrest. It was a little bit more comfortable way to live, but it was a little bit more expensive. He had to pay for his housing. He had to pay for his food. And so um, he needed funds to be able to continue to do that. And that's where the church in Philippi stepped in and gave to Paul what he couldn't supply for himself. And he was extremely grateful to, him, to them for that. So this letter serves as kind of a thank you card. It's an encouragement, um, it, it, as well as kind of giving updates and plans for what's happening in the future. So we're going to pick up reading in uh, chapter 2, verse 19 through 24. It says, If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served with me preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen with, to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. 
So Timothy, at this point, he's likely about 30 years old, uh, give or take a few years. He's been trained by Paul and, and been ministering with him for, for about a decade. Uh, Timothy is no longer Paul's young apprentice. He's now mature in his faith, and Paul's in, encouraging the Philippians that when he comes to receive him as a fellow minister of the gospel and to recognize that they can kind of speak freely to him because Paul sees him as a son. They have a very close relationship. So uh, so he's hoping to do that in the future, but in the meanwhile, uh, if we read in uh, Philippians 2, verse 25, <clears throat> it says, Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. I'm sending him because he has been longing to see you, and he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died, but God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him, and then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him in the, lo in the Lord's love with great joy and give him the honor that people like him deserve, for he risked his life for the work of Christ and was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. All right, so Epaphroditus was a messenger chosen by, by the Philippians to carry the gifts to Paul, and, and it appears that this gift was of great value. Um, it, it was meant to help pay for his food and housing, like I said before. Um, we also get an idea that it, that it had a lot of value to it because in chapter 4, Paul actually comments on it saying that he was generously supplied with the gifts they sent. So um, considering that this gift had great value um, and, that, uh, and that he's kind of referred to as a soldier, it may, maybe it was just a... Um, an analogy or something, but, but he may have actually been a soldier. There's a lot of ex-soldiers living in Philippi, being that it was a Roman colony. And so um, the part about him risking his life may have had more to do, not, not so much to do with the sickness that he in, incurred or the illness that he had, but the dangerous road of taking a, a valuable sum and transporting it, um, as the crow flies, like 600 miles and we, you know, I don't know which route he went. It could have been twice that if he went all the way around uh, bodies of water. Um, but, but it was a long journey. And so to, to go on these roads that are a lot less safe than the ones we travel and to take something valuable, uh, there really was a, a risk of loss of life in doing something like that. So um, we don't know Epaphroditus. <laughs> I, get, I get a little tongue tangled with his name. Um, uh, Epaphroditus, is, he may have had a kid, he may have had a wife, we don't know if he had a job that he had to step away from while he was doing this travel, um, but he, he was gone for a significant amount of time. He could have been gone for six months, he could have been gone for a year, we don't know exactly, but he was willing to sacrifice, um, and Paul recognized that. He recognized his sacrifice, and he wanted the Philippians to know that he served them well as his representative. So um, Epaphroditus is uh, mentioned only in this one book of the Bible. He's mentioned, about, he's mentioned four times, but it's likely that his sacrifice, his willingness to be this courier, greatly impacted Paul's ability to minister. And it's possible that without him taking this trip, without somebody filling in and taking this trip, we wouldn't even have this book of Philippians that we're studying today. So not everybody is going to be a Paul. But... Some of us are called to support those who are. Today we took up an offering uh, to support missionaries around the world. 
even though we're not the ones going to the Philippines or to Bangladesh or Vietnam or Liberia or Mexico or Canada or Romania or uh, India, all these different places we, we support missionaries in, it doesn't mean that we're not essential, an essential part of spreading the gospel in those places and, and that our gifts are pleasing to God. Uh, jumping again ahead to chapter 4, uh, Paul says to the Philippians that the gifts that he received are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. So Epaphroditus is a great example of how, of how God can use our gifts, um, and he can, he can team them up, he can mesh them with the gifts of other people to accomplish his good work. So um, his trip, had he not received funds to carry, uh, would have not been near as productive. If he was coming without bearing gifts, it wouldn't have accomplished what it did with him bringing the funds to help support Paul. But... The funds without somebody to carry them would have been pointless. You know, they wouldn't have accomplished anything. So um, we need both. We need, the, we need the people who are out on the mission field. We need people who can be, be messengers in between. And we need people who are willing to give and support. Um, and that through all that, we can accomplish God's kingdom plan. So we have to have hearts uh, that are open to sacrifice. And we have to have, have eyes that are open to see whatever it is the Holy Spirit might be directing us to so that we can uh, serve just as effort, Epaphroditus did. Um, moving on to chapter 3, uh, verse 1, it says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. What a simple and powerful concept right there. If you, if you pause, it says, Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. If we could grab onto that, if we could think about that every day, if in every situation, what, what change would that make in our lives? If whatever's going on, whether good or bad, rejoice in the Lord. A couple weeks ago, uh, we had a baby dedication, and we talked about the verses in Deuteronomy that talked about uh, posting things around your house or, or even on your body to kind of say, remind you of, of God's instruction and God's uh, provision and, and just have those reminders around. And so um, I think this would be a good one. You know, whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. Maybe put it as a background on your, on your phone or uh, if you've got a whiteboard at home, write it on your whiteboard. But that would be a good one to remember. We're not going to go too deep into it uh, because next week, probably uh, in chapter four, we're going to have another chance to talk about what it means to rejoice always. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, all right, so verse 1 continues. It says, I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. And continuing in verse 2, it says, Watch out for those dogs, those people who, are, who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us, we put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own effort, I have even more. If you look back to verse 2, you might be thinking, who are these, uh, who are these people that, uh, that he's warning the Philippians to watch out for? And why is he so riled up? Right? He's obviously very passionately opposed to these people based on the fact that he's calling them dogs, calling them uh, you know, doers of evil and mutilators. Uh, the people Paul is talking about here are uh, what are sometimes referred to as Judaizers or Judaizing teachers. 
And what they believed is that in order to be a follower of Christ, you had to first become a Jew. You had to, uh, you had to start following the Jewish laws, and, which include circumcision. So Paul had been dealing with this false teaching for at least a dozen years. And, and this, this, this teaching was a distortion of the gospel. And those who taught it lacked the fruit of humility that we talked about um, last week. They, they actually assumed some of the credit for their own salvation. They were kind of making themselves, in, in, a, in some sense, co-redeemers with Christ. And they were stealing from the perfect and complete work that Jesus did on the cross and robbing the joy that believers uh, should have to not have to carry the, the burden of the old covenant. And, and this was not the first time that Paul had ran into this teacher teaching, uh, and he's not, he wasn't going to stand for it. He, I mean, I don't know, I was thinking as Dan was talking this morning about uh, the sacrifice of Jesus, you know, and what he did to purchase our freedom, what he did so that we could be made right with God, so that we could have his righteousness. And these, these Judaizers were saying that wasn't enough. You know, to think of Jesus accomplishing what he did on the cross, going through what he did on the cross and saying, Jesus, that isn't enough. You know, we're going we're gonna to do a little bit more for you. Uh, it, it just, it, it angered him. You know, and, it, and it, it's, it, you can see why there was this disgust for it um, and, and why he was riled calling them dogs and calling them mutilators and evil. He, they were stealing from his Lord. And so um, he was very passionate about this. Um, so like I said, he'd been dealing with this for a while back in Acts 15, um, just prior to when Paul and Silas went on the, this, the missionary journey where they actually met the Philippians, where they first went to Philippi. Just before that, um, they found themselves in Antioch. And, and this is where these Judaizing teachers had come to Antioch, and they started teaching this thing. And, and right away, Paul and Barnabas, they were, they were not having it. And it says in, in verse 2 that they disagreed with him, and they, they argued with them vehemently. Um, and when they couldn't come to a decision on it, when they couldn't seem to agree, they decided that they were going to go back to uh, Jerusalem, and they were going to meet with all the apostles and with the elders, and they were going to come to a decision on this matter. Now, uh, at this council, Peter was there. And you may remember that Peter, he was the first of the apostles to, uh, to receive the revelation that the good news, the gospel salvation was for the Gentiles as well as for the Jews. And so the, he'd, he'd have this vision of this, this sheet coming down with all this food on it that was considered unclean to the Jews. And, and God said, go and eat. And so God was trying to illustrate to Peter that, that, that there was a new covenant. There was, there was now an openness to, to the Gentiles. And so it wasn't restricted. There were these, these old laws were now kind of pushed to the side and that God had made a way through Jesus so that the Gentiles could receive salvation. So anyways, having had this vision, having received this message, he then uh, was called to go to the home of a Gentile, Roman officer, that, um, that wanted to hear about Jesus. And so he went there and they heard and they believed and the Holy Spirit was poured out on that house and Peter witnessed all of this. So with that understanding, with that knowledge, with that experience of what God had done there, um, he, he speaks up in Acts 15 verses 8 through 11 and he says, God knows people's hearts and he confirms, confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. 
So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither, that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. And that, that right there was the heart of the message that was sent out then uh, back to Antioch and Syria and, uh, I say this name wrong too, Cilicia. There we go. Um, like I said, uh, this all happened about 12 years prior to the writing uh, of the book of Philippians or the letter of Philippians. Uh, but he had not lost any of his passion to fight against this. He recognized that, that this was stealing from the glory that belonged to Jesus, and it was stealing the joy that belonged to the, to the believers in, in that they, um, they didn't need to live up to these requirements. They, all, these, all these old laws did was go to prove that we can't live up to the perfection that, that, that is offered to us through Jesus. We, we can't do it, and so um, we don't need to carry that burden anymore. Uh, Paul then, after he, he says this, he lists three different things uh, that say what the true circumcision of a believer is. Okay, He said uh, there's two things that we need to do, and then there's one thing that we shouldn't do. So if we look back at verse 3, it says that for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. So we worship by the Spirit of God, and then it says we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us, that's the second thing. We rely on what Christ has done, and we put no confidence in human effort. So that's the third thing. So what he's saying is that it's, it's, not, it's no longer about any sort of a, a physical cutting away, but it is a cutting away of our own pride and redirecting all of our honor, not towards ourselves, but towards God. So the first thing, worship by the Spirit. So if you were here last week, um, Brandon led worship. Uh, normally he's... he's in the drum cage there. And so he talked to us about uh, getting out of the box and, and how it was a little bit different for him to be in a little bit more visible spot um, and, and how important it is in worship to kind of not let those things affect you, that we need to, um, we need to put aside any, anything that, um, any fears of people. Uh, we need to push aside any distractions in our minds. Um, whatever it is, that, that may be holding us back from fully worshiping, from, from allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us to worship um, God the way he deserves to be worshiped. We need to, we need to let go of that, um, let go of our natural desire to take credit for anything, um, let go of our, uh, our, our hindrances of what, you know, people, people watching us and just fully, you know, by the Spirit or in the Spirit, depending on your translation, uh, truly recognize that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says that it's, it's by the Holy Spirit that we are able to say, Jesus is Lord. Um, and so uh, to worship by the Spirit, to be able to um, lay down our pride and fully worship God, giving Him all the credit, uh, is, is, is one of the first things that it means to be circumcised as a new Christian, to have this, this, uh, this cutting away of our pride, is to be able to worship by the Spirit. The next two descriptions... Uh, are actually kind of two sides of the same coin. It says that we need to rely on Jesus and have no confidence in our own effort, right? So you, you can't have one without the other. Um, or you, yeah. Um, as, humans, as humans, we tend to want to be in control of our own life, right? We want to make our own decisions. And admitting that we need help, help can feel like weakness, 
And uh, you want to know why? Because it is. <laughs> you know, right? If, if you need help, then, then you're weak in some area. You need, you need help, and we are weak. And, and especially when it comes um, to our faith, that's why we, we need to have humility. We talked about that last week, but that's why humility is so important to be able to recognize that we're weak and be able to, to admit it so that we can be helped and so that uh, we're not holding ourselves as somehow uh, superior to others. Um, but when it comes to our ability to earn righteousness, we are weak. We are, we are unable. Um, only God can remove our sins, and he did that through the sacrifice of Jesus. Uh, Hebrews talked about the animal sacrifice. So these Judaizers, you know, they were, they're still focused on the law. And, and if we look in Hebrews, it talks about these, these past sacrifices and how they were unable to um, offer any sort of cleansing that lasted. There was no lasting cleansing through the old covenant. And so uh, in Hebrews 10, verse 12 and verse 14, it says, but our high priest, Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. And then 14, for by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. So Jesus is the one, the only one that is able. And Paul was adamant about this. He was adamant. He was going to, he was a defender of the faith. You know, he, he was, he was going to stand up for, for, I mean, really, what kind of a, a, a trust can you have in Jesus if you are also putting your trust in yourself? That's not, that's not reliance. That's not, um, that's not recognizing the great gift that was given. And so he was adamant about, about putting all that stuff to rest and, and to um, encouraging the believers to have full confidence and trust in God. Um, I was... I was thinking a little bit about uh, about this this idea of, of uh, our own righteousness and and how you know people might try and strive on their own to to do good and I was I was picturing people trying to swim upstream in a river you know and and uh, you may look back and you might see that you're you're gaining on everybody else you know there's a there's a greater gap growing between you and everybody else but you're all going downstream. You know, you know, it's it's just worthless. Like if you're actually headed towards a goal and this is a race to get somewhere, nobody's getting there. Nobody's headed in the right direction. And so uh, there's just no value to our own efforts when it comes to having righteousness before God. Um, he said back in verse four that if it were possible to have confidence in in our efforts, that that he would have more right to have confidence than anybody else would. Uh, in verse 5, he continues saying, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. 
So remember, the, the major issue that Paul's addressing is this teaching that somehow uh, right living or, or living according to these laws somehow qualifies us or is a pre- prerequisite for us to be able to receive new life in Christ. Um, and Paul was using super strong language to say, no, that, that is absolutely not true, uh, and we have to let go we have to do the opposite. Rather than, than working harder and having some faith in, in our works, we have to let go of all of our works and so that we can fully trust in Christ. There's a phrase that people use, and I, never, I just never got it. You, you, know, you can trust but verify. How, how is that possible? You can't trust and then have somebody else double check. Like That's not trust. That's thinking they'll, they'll probably do it, but there's a good chance that they, they could make a mistake and mess up too. That's not really trusting. And so um, you, you can't trust and then in, and then also kind of have to feel like you need to do something on your own. So looking back at verse 8, um, he said that he discards everything. Any, any righteousness that he thought that he might have had, um, he discards so that he could gain Christ. Uh, a true believer in Christ, you can't just add Jesus, but you have to cut away trust in yourself, Right? In order to, to, to put your trust in Jesus, you have to cut away trust in yourself. If we want to gain Christ, we have to forsake, we have to discount, we have to remove any value that we might have in our own right living. Uh, I mentioned that, that he used strong language, and we, we might not recognize it exactly in our English translations. Um, the one that we, we looked at, it, it refers to our righteousness as, as garbage, um, but it's actually far worse than that. Some translations will go as far as to say that it is dung. Um, in some study, it seems like it's, it's, it's even maybe a little bit stronger language than that, um, but it's kind of meant to imply a real kind of a shock value or, or like a, to, to use the strongest sense of worthlessness. Uh, one, one definition said it was more related to, to human excrement. So it's it, like no, manure, you at least have some, you know, you know, fertilizing your field value to it. But this is, there's no worthlessness, or sorry, there's no worth to any of it. It is worthlessness. Um, And so uh, he counts all of the things that he once counted as the most important thing, uh, that the stuff that he had pride in as worthless, as garbage. So now, of course, um, there, there is a place for right living. There is a, there is a place for doing what's right. That doesn't mean that we, we can do whatever we want. Um, but the, the difference is, uh, is this. We're, we're going to look back at, at a verse I looked at last week, just a part of it. Galatians 2.20 said that the life that we now live in the flesh, we live in faith in the Son of God. So now anything that we do, now we do because of Christ. And, and then in Philippians 2, verse 13, which we read last week, said um, that it is him who gives us the desire and the power to please him. So any right living that we do as Christians... Uh, we attribute wholly to Christ. It's, it's his life living through us. It's, um, we are just simply bearing the fruit that he's causing us uh, to grow, right? Uh, he says he gives us the power to do and to please, you know, um, to, to do what he, or to give us the, the desire and the power to please him, right? Um, Ephesians 2.9 said, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago so that we can do. He created us anew so that we can do. Without being created anew, we can't do. So um, 
so we have no reason to have righteousness on our own. Any, any good we do is by the strength that he gives us. We were singing that song about uh, how the, we have the, the breath in our lungs. You know, we offer back to him. Like, um, he is the one who gives us our breath. Like, he, he wants us to honor and worship him, um, but he actually is the one who gives us the, the desire and the strength in order to do it. And so uh, how amazing is that? That, I mean, all we're doing is saying no to ourselves and he takes care of the rest, you know. Um, we're going to say God only, Jesus only, no combination, laying down our lives and following him. Um, back to Philippians uh, Verse 8 ended with, For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. And then in Philippians 9, it says, And become one with him. I will no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. You might remember last week we talked about that Navy SEAL um, and how when he went through things that, that were difficult, that things that, that, that were miserable, he said he liked it because it made him stronger, because it drew him closer together with his team and closer together with his training. Now, for us, Jesus is our training, right? And so, um, so he says that he wants to suffer with him, sharing in his death, because he knows that it draws him closer uh, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. So Paul, having decided unequivocally that his good works and his superiority at being able to follow the law, that had reached a level that would rival anybody, basically would leave anybody in the dust, his ability to, to walk by the law, he, he now counts as garbage, as worthless. He now throws all of his energy, all of his hope, all of his passion into Christ. Um, but faith in Christ is not the finish line, it's the race. Faith in Christ is not the finish line, it's the race. Uh, we're not meant to believe and then just wait to die, right? Um, Paul, after putting his faith in Christ, said, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. What is it like to, to have that, the, the next part that we're going to get to where he said he wants to suffer with him? You can only want to suffer with him if you, if you recognize what it means to know Christ, to know uh, how he gives you peace, to know how he sustains you, to know how he's redeemed you, to know how he's cleansed you, to know how he's taken you from lost to found and from, from, from judgment to, to uh, reward and, and, and uh, eternity with him, uh, to know Christ. He wants to know Christ, and he wants to know him more. Like, he already knows Christ to some degree, but he wants to know Christ, meaning that he, he's not, he, doesn't fully, he hasn't fully taken in all of who Christ is. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. He's continuing to grow in his faith, wanting to understand more and more of who Christ is and learning um, how to live as Christ lived, even to suffer as he did, knowing that the world is going to reject him because Christ lives in him, because he's a, he's a picture of Christ in the world, and the world rejects Christ. Um, And then in verse 11, it says, 
so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Uh, that sounds like it's a little bit questioning, but it's really, it's not. It's, 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 it's kind of pushing out this, this idea that he doesn't fully comprehend how it all works. Like, I, I don't fully understand how God is able to restore me and redeem me, but, but I believe it, and I know that it's true, but he, he's still learning, and, and he's humbled by the fact that God could take a sinner like him um, and be able to restore him, and that somehow through Christ, by faith, he's going to be resurrected, that he's going to be made whole, that he's going to be with the Lord forever. He believed, but he still had more to learn. He still had more to grab hold of. Philippians uh, 3, uh, moving on to verse 12, says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let us all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. I mentioned earlier uh, that, you know, whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord would be a good verse to maybe post somewhere. Well, here's, an, here's another one. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what's ahead, right? Forgetting the past and looking forward to what's ahead. Uh, Paul had a past. Paul, Paul was a persecutor of the church. He was responsible for imprisoning Christians and even voting, uh, voting towards their death, voting for, to have them um, put to death. Even after his conversion, he still was not perfect in his faith. Uh, even as he was teaching other people, he was still growing. He was still learning. Um, he was still figuring some things out as he went. But because he recognized that his righteousness was in Christ and not in his own works, that meant that um, rather than carrying the weight of these failures and weaknesses, he could choose to forget them. He could leave them in the past. Uh, to count not just his past righteousness as garbage, as worthless, but he could, he could count his past failures as something he doesn't have to carry. That's garbage too. I don't, he doesn't need to bear that anymore. Um, he can discard those things. He can, he can uh, say, I'm not going to let those things distract me from looking forward. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to make their way up. He said that he is focusing on one thing. And in order to focus on that one thing, he, uh, he has to stop focusing on another. He said, I've got to stop looking at the past. I'm going to look forward, right? How many of you know that it's really hard to look in two directions at the same time, right? I've seen some people who can kind of look to the middle, but I, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody look out. And if you do, you're not going to be very well focused and you're going to look really strange. And so, um, but Paul is saying he is forgetting what is behind and he's going to forget his successes and he's going to forget his failures and he's going to look forward to what lies ahead, which is knowing Jesus, experiencing his power, uh, sharing in his sufferings, experiencing his resurrection. He is forward focused, pressing on. He describes it as a race. And at the end of the race, um, it, the end of the race comes complete with a heavenly prize that God himself desires to give us through Christ Jesus. So what does that look like to us? What, what does it look like to press on? 
For one thing, it, it doesn't look like being content where you're at, just being, being stagnant in your faith, not growing in your knowledge of who Christ is. It also means not beating yourself up if your faith has been a little lethargic, because that's, that's in the past too. Um, so if, that, if that's the case, you know, we can start today to make a decision that we're going to press on, that we're going to, we're going to fully focus forward. We're going to stop looking back. We're going to stop carrying anything we, d- we don't need to carry. We're going to stop um, looking at our own good works. And from here forward, we're going to leave that behind and we're going to focus on, on Christ. So we're going to focus on knowing him and, and uh, having eyes open to serve him, having ears uh, open to where the Holy Spirit can give us the desire to do what pleases him. We have to, we have to be able to hear that. We have to be able to take the time to to read his word and 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 pray and wait on him and listen and and just as like if you go through a, a store there's one thing I've been trying to work on recently uh, is uh, when I go into like a gas station or a store before I go in like try and slow down a little bit and and be aware is is there going to be an opportunity for me to say something or do something to show kindness or love to somebody um, that could add a lot more value to the trip into the store than just grabbing a jug of milk and going home and so there's opportunities out there but we have to be uh, able to kind of be aware and be alert to those things so maybe it's just a simple prayer like that, something that maybe you make a, a habit of praying daily um, that, that you want God to be able to speak to you, that you want to be um, reminded of, of the fact that he has a bigger purpose and plan than some of the tedious tasks that, that we do it from the day to day. Maybe... Uh, Maybe pressing forward in your faith is deciding, again, to set aside some time, like I said, to, to read your Bible and to pray so that the Word of God can live in you and can feed you and nourish you. Last week we talked about a communion a little bit and about how, what it means to actually uh, be nourished by Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God, right? So we take in the Word of God, we take in the essence of who Jesus is, the, the, His character and His his love and his mercy and and we read it and we and we take it in and we um try and allow that to change us from the inside out we 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 cut off our own efforts and we take in uh jesus and we allow that to be our strength uh, so as we close the service today uh we're gonna sing one last song um and and as we stand and we sing we don't you don't, you don't have to stand right now but uh but as we you don't have to sing either um this may be an opportunity for you to pray. This may be an opportunity for you to be silent before the Lord and just say, what, what, what is going on in me that, that maybe I need to cut away? Is there something I'm holding on to? Is there a pride I'm holding on to? Is there a failure I'm holding on to? Is there something that's keeping me from knowing you more? Um, and, to, and to really seeing what it is that you want to use me for and, and, uh, and to allowing the Holy Spirit to give us that desire. I keep on going back to that, man. To, to have the have God work in us to desire to desire you know like because if we're if we're not open if we're not hearing the Holy Spirit close enough to 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 recognize that desire whatever it is that God wants us to do it's different for one person for for Peggy was sending her to Liberia um, that might not be for you um, maybe you're going to uh, you know Antarctica I don't know there's nobody there <laughs> so. But, but God has a plan for you, and uh, maybe you'll be a messenger or a courier. Maybe you're somebody who can give a gift. Um, but, 
if we can just get in touch with the Holy Spirit and let him give us the desire, what is it, Lord, that you want us to do? And then to, to and, and not just what to do, but just the desire to know God, uh, the, the desire to, to know Jesus in his uh, crucifixion and what he did for us, to, to recognize the, the immense gift that he gave us and, and to take nothing away from that, but to give him full worship and for, full glory, full honor for that. Dear Lord, we just thank you that you are an awesome God, that you, the fullness, the greatness of who you are is beyond our comprehension. Paul was still, didn't fully recognize your, the, the totality of who you are. He still wanted to know you. He still wanted to know you more and more. And, uh, and we recognize that there's no end. And that when we recognize the greatness of who you are, when we recognize the fullness of what it is that you gave to us, we can't help but desire to follow you. Uh, when you. When we see the love poured out on us, how can we not love you back? How can we not, in the light of your greatness and your glory and your might, uh, fall to our knees and, and surrender ourselves, to surrender our pride, surrender anything that we put trust in, and offer our lives wholly to you? So today we just come before you. We commit again our lives to you in sacrifice and surrender, Lord, uh, with eager desire to know you more and to do what pleases you, Lord, in whatever task that is, whether that's in the in in our job or in our our recreation or whether it's in uh, picking up a gallon of milk, Lord. We just pray that uh, that our uh, reflection of your love for us would be evident to the world around us and that we would really bear the fruit um, of, of Christ in the world, that the world would see it and that they would know you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 17 uh, says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. So Paul is writing this. Um, Timothy and Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus was, were, were following his example. We have the example of Peter. Um, they've, they've given us examples of how to pattern our life, examples of how to live. So let's look closely at the way that they lived, the way that they sacrificed, the way that they, uh, they were striving, the way that they were running this race. Um, whether you feel like you're crawling or whether you feel like you're sprinting, as long as we can keep that one thing, that, that focus forward, focused on Christ, focused on that heavenly prize that God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us to. Amen? Amen. All right. So go in the power of the Holy Spirit, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ for the glory of God.